Welcome to the Fargo Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Fargo on FX. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're covering episode 7, titled, Who Shaves the Barber? Uh, the, let's talk about the title for a second. Okay. Who Shaves the Barber is a logical paradox, uh, the barber paradox, that Bertrand Russell kind of extrapolated from a mathematical paradox uh, that I don't feel holds up very well. <laughs> Well, it's kind of like scrutiny of logic, or like Bird and Zass. Like it's a, it, it's, it's an only, easily solvable real world problem. It's an only lo- it's only logical paradox as long as it stays on the white paper page. Yes, because, as long as it stays in math. Yeah, like in 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 the mathematical world, humans are binary agents that can only do one or the other things. Sure, the paradox itself is in a town with only one barber, and this barber shaves. Only this barber there's, shaves everyone. There's a couple of assumptions. Uh huh. Everyone in the town, every man in town is clean shaven. Okay. And everyone, uh, and to get well, clean the, shaven, the, they either shave themselves or they go to a barber. Yes. Dur- under those assumptions, the barber can just shave himself. There's one other thing. Um, well, no, because then he's not a barber. He's fa- he falls into the set of men that go to a barber to be shaved. But okay. the barber only shaves other men. That's that's the thing. The it's, barber doesn't have to only shave other well, men. Well, he does he can because he's bound himself. by the laws of logic in this premise. The law, the artificial, just it seems to be just randomly selected that the barber can't shave himself. Okay, so I don't really it's care arbitrary. about that. How does this apply to our understanding of the song? That's the, the better the question. Yeah. Um, a couple of thoughts bouncing off the bounce off you. Lorne is the barber. Okay. He Why would he be the, the barber? He's the killer. Uh, a su- almost a supernaturally effective killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is going to stop him? Who is going to kill him? Mm, who can? Because the killers, who mm-hmm. I guess you'd call like they're also fellow barbers, are unable to shave him. Okay. Mr. Wrench, or Mr. Numbers failed to. Mr. Wrench failed to. Uh, ups- I mean, everyone's going up against Molly him. Molly has failed to. Molly has failed to. Every fucking criminal in Fargo, North Dakota has failed. So you're saying in this scenario that everyone either kills themselves or is killed by someone else. <laughs> I'm just saying the Lord needs to shave. Who's going to give it to him? Okay. He does uh, need to shave. He's got a pretty bushy beard. One of the ways to resolve this paradox mm-hmm. that doesn't violate the assumptions that I found in my research was uh, that everyone assumes that the barber's a man, but if the barber's a woman, oh. it doesn't violate any of those things because... Barber the, doesn't need to shave. Right. She can even have a fucking beard because the logic premise just says all men are clean shaved. <laughs> sure. Uh, in that case, could we put these two postulates together and say Molly is the person that will give uh, Lauren his shave? shave. Hmm, we could, and I think um, you you might not be far off. I think the end of this episode, she's certainly shaken by the fact that this might not be Lester, uh, having mm. committed all this, and she's still definitely after Lorne. Do you want to talk about, because that... We can talk about whether or not we think Molly actually believes what Bill tells her. Okay. Or or the information she finds out, I guess, about Well, I just, I, thought, I had a lot of question about her reaction to it in general. Okay. I don't know if we want to talk about that now and get, or get a little bit into the episode. Well, I, I have another theory. Um, On the barber? Not not necessarily about the barber itself, but about whether Molly will catch Lauren and Lester and everyone, I guess, who's okay. involved in this. Um, 
but it kind of plays into Eric's segment tonight. Okay. And I don't know when we want to run that. We could run that now. Sure. If you'd like to. Let's he get it out of the way. talks about a couple of things. <laughs> get it out of the way sounds like you don't want to do it. You know, it's the rough patch of the podcast. We might as well <laughs> just get it out of the way, get it over with. Don't have to worry about it. Okay, let's go ahead and play his clip now. Hey guys, Eric here, Personal Arrogance host and resident Fargo file. I just wanted to talk to you quickly this week about two lines that are spoken in both Fargo the movie and Fargo the television series. The first line is, and for what? This is spoken in Fargo the movie by Margie after she's caught Gare and has him in the back of her cop car. And it's spoken in Fargo the television series by Molly when she's questioning Wrench at the hospital. And for what? is the first line I'd like to talk about. The second line is, I'm the victim here. This is spoken by Jerry Lundegaard uh, in Fargo the movie when he's being questioned by Margie at the car dealership, and it's spoken by Lester when he's speaking to his boss in Fargo the TV series. So the first line, and for what? The second line, I'm the victim here. The interesting thing about these two lines is, uh, you know, while they while they do tie themselves to Fargo the movie, they also differentiate themselves from Fargo the movie and for what is spoken at the end of Fargo the movie by Margie after she's caught Gare. She's basically closed the case. She's ready to go home and hang out with her husband here in the TV series. It's spoken by Molly as a bigger question. And for what she really seems to be questioning um, after being shot uh, and, and having all of this whirlwind come up around her, she really seems to be questioning uh, the the motives and you can see the wheels spinning in her head that she uh, really wants to solve this case uh, as opposed to happening at the end of the case. It's happening right smack dab in the middle of it. The other one, I'm the victim here spoken by Jerry Lundegaard in Fargo, the movie when he's being questioned by Margie, he's basically been painted into a corner and he promptly almost right after he says the line uh, gets in a car and drives out of town. This one instead in Fargo, the television series is spoken by Lester at a moment of triumph, a moment of victory. He's uh, his plan has worked and he's got uh, no weight on his shoulders. He's really turned into quite the evil guy here in the series. And, and in my opinion, he's become the the main villain of this series uh, in ways that are almost more disturbing than what Lauren Malvo is doing around town. Um, I really like these because while they pay homage to Fargo, the TV or Fargo, the movie, um, they also establish Fargo, the TV series as something that is, that is different, um, that is tipping its hat, but is blazing its own path. And I, I really like it. It's a nice fan service to the fans, uh, but it also says something, uh, about uh, both of these characters and how they differentiate themselves from their doppelgangers in the movie. Uh, the, the other thing that I want to talk to you about is, uh, you know, I really do think, and I, I, th- I think that Margie is going to figure out a way to convince everybody of Lester's guilt. I think she's going to catch Lester. Um, but that leaves us with Malville. You know, Malville continues to be the most interesting character on the show. And I think that, you know, that's probably for one reason. He ha- He's the only one with mystery still surrounding him. Uh, we know everything that's happened with Lester. We know everything that's happened with Mar- with uh, Molly. Um, we know everything that's happened with almost every uh, character. We're just waiting to see how those pieces fall into place. But with 
Lauren, there's still a ton of mystery surrounding him. You know, I've talked about the personal journey before. I've talked about this unstoppable evil force. Um, I really hope we see more of Key and Peele as FBI agents. Um, But there really does seem to be some kind of personal quest that he is on. uh, And I hope that gets revealed. The other question here, he doesn't have a counterpart in Fargo the movie. Um, So his character's fate is not yet written. Uh, which is also very exciting. Another character that doesn't really have a counterpart in Fargo the movie is Gus Grimley. And I feel like these two guys are on a collision course. The only reason behind that is because, as I've spoken before, Lauren Malvo is the dog. He's been represented as a dog throughout the entire series. And there's one guy, there's one character on the show that is literally a dog catcher. And that is Gus Grimley. I feel like Gus is going to have some kind of heroic moment. And I feel like he's going to take down Lauren. This is all just speculation. um, But I feel like those two metaphors are too big to uh, not come into play here. So anyway, just some thoughts here. Some connections to the TV show or to the movie. And uh, some differentiators between the television show and the movie. Uh, Can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. And uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, so there are a couple things that Eric talks about there um, that I wanted to address. First of all, uh, Molly potentially catching everyone. Um, I I don't know. There's there's a theory going around on Reddit that the speech that Gus's neighbor gives him about um, the man who tries to cure suffering in the world mm-hmm. gives everything he's got and still fails. Mm-hmm. Um, that could apply to Molly because the man in the story gives up his kidney to try to end the suffering. Molly gives up her spleen in this episode or, or maybe last episode, depending on how you look at it. True. Um, which could lead into Eric's idea that Gus might actually be the one to catch them because if Molly were to give up her spleen here and be the person in that parable, she would have to die before she cures the suffering. Especially if we take shaving as death, metaphor literal. Sure. And she's a barber. I mean, she'd have to shave herself first. I mean, I, um, <laughs> yeah, it gets mixed I, up I like there. that. The- I like that theory because mm-hmm. it also ties in with her character. Like, Gus actually is pondering this story mm-hmm. and trying to puzzle out the meaning where she's just like, that's stupid. Uh-huh. Why doesn't he just do something else or you know, work for a charity. So it's like she doesn't, it, it, the any wisdom at all escape, for that escapes her. She's yeah. just like, okay, whatever, let's get back to work. And unwittingly, she's being that man who's parceling himself out. And the spleen, sure. I mean, that's, that's pretty strong. I like that. The spleen is strong, and I think it could lead to her dying before this thing is up. And then, and then maybe Gus being the one to actually, because you know that if she dies in the course of this case, Gus is going to be all over it. He he's, was, yeah. he's going to try to vindicate her. And all that would be a subversion of my expectation to this point, which is sure. that Gus and Molly are going to team up and somehow crack this case. Yeah. Uh, and she up- passes on a lot of knowledge to him yes. this episode. She draws up on that window with the diagram, right? Uh, kind of leads him down the path. Now's her time to go, maybe. Do you think that because I also had this operating theory that's kind of rocked by some of the stuff we just talked about that maybe Lorne never gets apprehended 
Hmm. He just okay. blows through on his merry way, and it's Lester that, that, that takes the fall and pays the price. Because Lester Could be. is being set up as the primary antagonist at this point. Oh, yeah. It's arguable that his evilness is m- more direct and malevolent than Lorne's. I think you're right. It's I think it's very arguable. personal. It is. He's got his family involved now. Right. I mean, he's saving his own skin at the cost of... Breaking up his brother's marriage, sending his brother to jail, and even if you say, "Well, a bad light on his, his brother is an asshole," it he, doesn't he, warrant. It that. doesn't warrant this, and it doesn't no. warrant anything to his family. Huh? For like, sure. so the kid's a little weird. Let's talk about that <laughs> opening a bit. I okay. was surprised at how highly functional the kid was at school. Okay. Oh, well, he didn't have his Wild Things costume on. So true. Maybe that's the whole thing. He's just but but. I got a very, like, aspy vibe from him in last episode yeah, yeah. where he saw his uncle and just, like, didn't acknowledge him. You know, it's like, well, this is part of my cultural, this is part of my residential background, so I'm going to fix my bowl of cereal and go on with my life. Sure. But I didn't get any of that. He seemed, um, even though they're saying that, okay, this kid's got some disturbing things to him because his bus driver's saying that, you know, don't no funny stuff today. The kids at school seem to treat him, you know, maybe he's a victim of bully, but he does show, like, a, an emotional connection to the kid that is getting bullied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also realizes when that gun clatters out, oh, shit. So that yeah, kind of contradicts, <laughs> I mean, the, you know, I, I thought that Lester was going to get away with this because the kid literally is going to have no recollection or impression that Lester was there that day. Okay. Wearing no pants. <laughs> in a Lauren Malva overcoat. Uh-huh. This scene at school kind of blows that away. That now I'm thinking it it might come down to him having some innocent mention about his uncle being over there. Sure. And I mean there are more solid pieces of evidence out there that could link Lester to the killing still. I mean sure. that phone call that's still hanging out there on a tape recorder in Lauren's pocket in Lauren's briefcase is a huge one. I think that and Nikki P had a very similar take. The whole time Lester was pouring his heart out to Bill. Huge mistake. I'm thinking this is really good and your salesmanship is uh-huh. amazing, but my God, you're saying fifty words when you should say one. Yep. You yeah, are you're telling a very specific story here. And that's the problem, because when he goes back to tell it again. He's not going to tell it the same way. He can't. Right. And and the fact he's that... He's making this up on the fly. He's already gotten one free retcon. Uh-huh. There's no possible way he can do another one. He should have done exactly what you said last episode and just played the memory card. I don't remember. Doesn't or that he solve be, this problem? Or he also could say, yeah, I knew my brother had the affair with my wife. But I don't remember and the I night. Have, and now that you mention, I have this fuzzy recollection. <laughs> uh-huh. But I, you know, I, but yeah. I feel I, like he was really, in that scene, just trying to pin it all on his brother. Like, not he felt that. that his testimony was going to be the final nail in his coffin. But he's feeling this personal sense of power for probably the first That's time. That's true. And it went to his head. And you can see that by, you know, the rest of the episode, he's just giddy. I mean, he oh, yeah. has gotten away with murder, literally gotten away with murder. Unseemly. And, uh, and uh, you know, trumped his, his annoying younger brother at the same time that thought he was such hot shit with his beautiful wife and uh-huh. semi-off son. Yeah. And his suburban. I mean, it's, it's so petty. 
Yeah, and his giant collection of guns came back to bite him. Yep. He's, he's, yeah, he got everything he wanted out of that. No, and that, I, and that thing is knowing what we know about Bill. This is just red meat that he can't wait to devour. Yeah, like a, um, a small town cop's ability, and I'm now convinced that Bill is not part of any kind of criminal conspiracy. He's no, just really no. stupid and small town. Small time. That's the thing. But when it comes right down to it, uh, like the opening part where he goes into the brother's house and he has the warrant and everything and he busts in he he like shoulder checks the wife Mm -hmm. as he's coming through the door he's Mm -hmm. very angry about this Mm -hmm. i mean he went and did research about atrocities that have happened in bemidji bemidji's history um and he said that nothing like this has ever happened he's very angry so he takes it personally um he's also you know once he's convinced of something he's okay at his job he right. did what needed to be done there. Right. And it fit in everything. It, you know, fits his preconceived notions because he's like, you know, yeah, your brother did punch that one guy in the nose. He did uh-huh. community service for that. And but, you have to wonder how much of that went through Lester's head when he was doing the framing. Right. Remembering those things. Right. Um, I guess another thing we could talk about kind of related is um, to how Gus or I'm sorry, not Gus. Uh, Lester is feeling after this whole thing goes down and his brother is uh, caught he goes and cleans up the blood stain in his house. I think that's very indicative of his new mental state. Right. He's just he's ready for a new start right. because he thinks this is all behind him. Right. Uh unfortunately the cleaners will not clean up that blood spot. It's still there and I feel like the blood spot is telling us that there is something else out there and Certainly. this is not over. Certainly that it's his that he his can't wash to it clean, clean is not going to be that successful. Yeah. Did you so you know, not to get into a nitpicking frenzy because, <laughs> you know, I said that last week might have been fatal to my enjoyment of the show. Uh-huh. Judging by how into it I was this week, I don't think that's the case. However, I have, I feel like that lapse has very damaged my suspension of disbelief because I'm starting to just nitpick a lot of things. Like, hmm. okay, a crime scene cleaner. I don't care if it's in Bemidji. Uh, terrible shit happens all the fucking time in every town and they need a a a cleaner that would not just faint away at the sight of blood (laughs) i mean that's goddamn that is ridiculous okay like yeah that was that was definitely just a joke you know i get it like oh he hears blood and he hangs up this cleaner's not prepared to deal with the really nasty i get it but i mean i i'm just i start thinking like how much better would have been if like maybe he had just tried to scrub it up himself and he can't get it up and then he calls the cleaners Mm -hmm. but they're all busy because i don't know why but they're all you know it's like well it's gonna be two or three weeks which would be about probably the rest of the the season yeah you could have said the same thing they're just metaphorical thing they're they're you're getting too cute a little okay. too cute with this stuff. Yeah, I mean that's kind of a hallmark for me of Cohen stuff. And they seem to get cute with it. And honestly, that's when like you know, uh, it it when their tones start really clashing and they get too cute. Like prime example for me is Burn uh, After Reading. I think it's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, uh, uh, who whoever the elf chick is from Lord of the Rings, Aerosmith's. <laughs> um, uh, daughter no the other Liv one tyler the other one <laughs> the oh other boy one. okay <laughs> the one that's strong as the foundations of the earth um anyway it's had the same kind of like you know couldn't decide where it wanted to want to be a black comedy or hmm. a suspense thriller and kind of had some weird logical leaps and things went nowhere and i didn't enjoy that film 
So I'm starting to notice some of this stuff, which I don't like, and I wish they would just cool it. Because, again, yeah. there's no need for them to do that. And they're putting their, their trademark on it, their style. I don't know. I also think they're kind of talking down the Midwesterners, too, a bit. Oh, you think so? Yeah. I think they have an affinity for the Midwest. I think they enjoy the weird quirks about it. In an in L.A. way. In a very twee. <laughs> okay. in a they're very, too far removed from it in now. In a very twee kind of Yeah, but no, I mean, All like, right. in my hometown, which is at least as small as Bemidji, uh-huh. dude, my neighborhood blew his head off. Brains, blood, shit everywhere. And there was a crime scene <laughs> cleaner that could go there and, like, yep, not going to blanch, take care of it. Yeah. Who cleans the cleaner's house? That's what I want to know. <laughs> While he's out cleaning everybody else's yeah, house. Yeah, when he shoots his head off, then you're in a problem. Because <laughs> it is a specialized skill set. Not everybody can just come in sure. You know, uh, on a hot summer day, three days after the event, and be Ugh. like, yep, I'm going to start scraping this up and replacing carpet and wiping down. It's, it takes a certain mindset. Sure. Sure. Uh, okay, they they did try to explain the fish a little bit from last episode. You know, they, well, that, they explained that this can't tornado, happen. Yeah, the tornado pulled them up. Sure, yeah. sure. But um, that was never my problem. So yeah, yeah. Yours, your problem was with the coincidence yep. of it all. Yeah. So I understand that. Um, what else do we want to talk about? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens with Lorne this episode. Going to his travel was Reno. Very, going to another Duluth. another thing bothering me that Lorne seems to be able to, to teleport using the flu network from Harry Potter because he, <laughs> if I believe, he managed to go to Reno, Nevada. Yep, he definitely did from Duluth, which is a pretty mm-hmm. good drive or a fly, I suppose. But either way, that's going to take a solid days worth of travel. And he goes out to Fargo, which is a four and a half, five hour drive from Duluth. Okay. In the same day. So, or am I wrong? I don't know about that. I don't know. I, it it the, seems the, to me that what happened with Mr. Wrench and Mr. Because the snowstorm's over and all that. Yeah. Um, the, the, the stuff is melted out of the trees and the rooftops already. Well, I thought that was a slight con- continuity or budget error okay, rather than, so. you know, multiple days have passed because. You know, Molly wasn't, like, in a coma for several days. I guess that was... We we really don't know. I mean, she was definitely unconscious at first. um, But but we really don't know how much time it took. It felt like it took a while, though. So what is... So is Lorne now a man without a country? He went back to his assassin company Mm -hmm. and basically... Extorted. I we don't even know if he killed the guy or not. Yeah, what do you think? Ambulance or hearse? The, the fact that he knew exactly where to go to Fargo implies ambulance. But the fact okay. that the girl screamed implies that maybe yeah. it was on the extreme side of ambulance. <laughs> or even possibly hearse. I mean, if he gets the information out of him, oh, he could decides just to kill him anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. I just real quick, that line. Um, that he delivers about the ambulance or hearse is kind of a sly nod to Sling Blade. Oh, yeah. Because in that in the movie, he tells a guy, I'm going to kill you. And the guy says, well, if you're calling the police, tell him to send an ambulance or a hearse if you aim to kill me. Right. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm going to pay you back in your own coin. Oh, when boy. Gordo got in a bus, the school bus in the morning, the bus driver said, no funny stuff. It was a callback <laughs> to the Big Lebowski, where the nihilists sure, are yeah. always saying that uh, as Love well. Love those guys. Yeah. Who doesn't love a nihilist? <laughs> a nihilist with a ferret. Uh-huh. <laughs> Great. All right. Um, so uh, do you, so is he just... I, I, what has caused Lorne to snap? What has caused Lorne to go off the path of his 
mild mannered assassin slash cleaner business and do this thing for for Sam Hess. He's got something. He still, I mean, he doesn't even seem like he's that perturbed about the million dollars. That's still in the wind. We didn't even so see the king to we, this, this episode. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of things that I'm not sure exactly how to connect the dots with Lorne. I mean, I can buy um, that this is personal business. You take care of personal business before you worry about going back to Stravos. Because uh-huh. that's just business business. Someone trying to kill you, that's personal. Yeah. And I can see him wanting to send a strong message out there. but And maybe he's decided that, hey, after I'm going to have a million dollars in my pocket, I'm just going to retire. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put the fear of God into everybody about coming after me. And I'm going to whack these guys hard. And I'm going to go off in a sunset with a million dollars and do whatever the hell I want. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he doesn't have his hands on that million dollars yet should scare him, though. Yeah, I just feel like, yeah, especially since... He, he doesn't know that the king took it out and buried it, certainly. Well, and he, 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 as far as he knows, he missed his pickup. Yes. So he's going to have to go there and either spin another story... Right. Um, ...about, hey, I got a call or something from the guy, and he changed his mind... Or he's just going to have to go there and deal with the king. It's certain that we're not done with the king, right? I don't think so. I I think Lorne has to go back, and the king has to tell him what happened with the money. Yeah. Um, so that Lorne can make him pay the consequences. Right. Give him a shave. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, what about... Eric talked about his conversation with Mr. Wrench being a... Not so subtle homage to Fargo with a slightly different meaning. Molly at this point has everything damn near figured out. She doesn't sure. quite have the connection right between Lorne and Lester, but it's certainly not fatal to her theory. Everything else seems to track through. Mm-hmm. Also, side note, her handwriting is exactly like mine. Oh, okay. Like it. I didn't. It was very disturbing. It'd be like <laughs> watching television and seeing your own face pop up. I'm uh-huh. like, holy shit! She writes exactly like me. Okay. And that weird, pinched Roman Gothic block lettering style. Um, that's all. About, uh, that's that's basically all I wanted to point out. That she's my handwriting okay. twin. Well, she doesn't have a lot of evidence here. That's the problem with her stuff. It's all logical connections that she's made by talking to people and piecing the puzzle together but the evidence now points to lester's brother but except for so what stuff doesn't fit okay the fact that he went into the hospital because he slipped on the ice mm-hmm. that's shaky the fact that he made a phone call to lorne at the moto motel okay if there is no connection between those two what what the hell you know what's what's going on with that yeah, so I mean it changes the relationship of Lester and Lorne because now Lorne is not the killer of the the police officer and Lester's wife. If you're if you're going on the evidence that Lester has provided this right. episode. Gorda or not Gorda. Now Lorne is some wild card that's yeah. out there and hasn't necessarily committed any murders. Right. If you believe the evidence that Lester provided. And all the superiors think they already cleared him as being a minister or whatever. So that's kind of a well, dead no, end as get... far as convincing someone that there's something wrong. That's true. I-, I guess he still has killed Sam Hess. That's the that's the person that Lauren has killed. 
in all of this. Yeah, but there's no proof, right? No real proof. The the only there's a lot of circumstantial evidence. Yes, the fact like you that he said, was in the, the hotel, hospital. he had the tokens from that. Yes, implying that he'd been there that night. But it doesn't seem that there's any actual proof that he did that. Right. Well, and there's also the connection that that a guy that looks like Lorne drugged one dude by his tie out into the parking garage, threw him in the trunk, and then we next saw that guy naked and frozen in the snow. Sure. As a car accident. And yeah, one, and they so have him on the camera killing that guy. And that's my my thought that at the, at the end, Molly has this, this wild eye, like she's having a panic attack. And is yeah. it that I know I'm right – but how in the hell am I going to prove this to some, to someone? Or is it mm-hmm. like I thought that I was dealing with one thing in Lester, and now I'm dealing with a whole other level monster? I really felt like she was terrified. Not terrified, but like I, I, I said, borderline both. panic attack. Yeah, I, I think you're right to point out both of those things because she, I don't think, thought Lester was capable of doing uh, what he's done here. And also, she knows better. She knows that that is not the end of this thing. Um, unlike Bill, who I think feels like it's wrapped up now. They've caught the guy. Mm-hmm. It's over. Uh, she knows that can't be true. There, there are more pieces to this puzzle that Bill's not putting together. Okay. And at the end, I, I feel like she's realizing, yes, what a, a monster Lester now is, but also trying to think, how the hell am I going to prove this? Mm-hmm. What, what is going to happen here to make people think that the evidence they've been given is planted or okay. can't possibly be right. There's two other things I want to talk about okay. with a um, an Easter egg in between okay. or as a, as a preview. Uh, we're talking about the cleaners that Lester called to remove the blood stain. Their name was uh, Reed and Schneider Cleaners. Yeah. Who is a callback to Billy Bob Thornton's lawyer played by Tony Shalhoub from The Man Who Wasn't There. Okay. It's a deep cut. Deep cut. I haven't seen that one. Not me either. So uh, there's your Easter egg. Lester going to seduce the widow Hess. Mm -hmm. With the implication that he can solve her money problem, I don't think... I think that's an unloaded gun. It is. He's just fucking her over. Oh, yeah. Completely. Literally literally and Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And you you can see it on his face when he's looking at the picture of Sam Hess. He's just like... I I wonder if his ego is going to get the better of him. His his no, sense yeah. of payback, like yeah. all these years I've been tormented. Now's my time to torment. Yeah, uh, that's probably going to be his undoing. And so, uh, by the way, I think we should call doggy style sex hessing it from now on. <laughs> okay, or getting hessed. Getting hessed. Yeah. Getting some hess. Some hess action. There's another little going hessing. Oh yeah, uh, in this episode, which is not really an Easter egg. It's just a couple of actors who. Uh, happen to be from better known from other things. Key and Peel are in this one. Ah, well, that's yeah. what I want to talk about next. Okay. Uh, two aspects about. Yeah. A little uh, nitpicking Aaron's coming out and saying, <laughs> Why the hell didn't they hear any shots? No shit. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing the whole time. It's ridiculous that they could hear a body hit the pavement, but not gunfire. Yes. yes. That much automatic gunfire. Yeah. yeah. It, it's. I don't think people realize how loud firing a gun really is. Yeah. And especially once that window is blown out, then you've got no barrier to the outside, and it's it's going to be... Like, if you pull in the par- parking miles lot away. of a gun range, a building con- constructed to reduce the noise of gunfire, yeah. it's unmistakable. Uh-huh. 
uh, and the fact that they're cops. So I thought, and the whole time I'm like, well, surely we're going to see them freaking out and like calling in support when it pans back down from this long tracking shot. Yeah. The fact that then the body hits the ground, that's the first it took. I'm like, what the fuck? This again, this is too sure. cute. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, I, I get that the these guys are comically inept. was shot brilliantly, though. I mean, all right, well, I, I absolutely love the way that was shot. Put a pin in that because okay. we got some <laughs> feedback on it. Cool. Did you catch the water experiment that they talked to? talked about no so i guess in 1990s there is a scientist and i'm using my air quotes <laughs> okay that was doing some experiments on frozen water and he and and at some point he froze like water that had been breast by, breast that had been blessed by a priest <laughs> uh-huh holy water and then okay. compared it to non-blessed water and found that that the crystalline structure of the prayer water was much more beautiful, intricate than the one that wasn't blessed. Subjectively, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> then he decided to start saying stuff where just himself where he would praise water for like, you know, you're going to be a beautiful icicle one day or you're going to be a beautiful snowflake. And then other he would curse and swear at. This is kind of like... Um, do plants do better when they're played music to type of experiment? Okay. Froze sure. the water, good crystals on one side, misshapen, uh, kind of syrupy looking crystals on the other. Mm-hmm. Started taping uh, words. He like Subjective. taped the word Jesus to one side. He taped the word Hitler to other. Jesus yep. water is beautiful. Hitler water frozen was ugly. Why didn't he switch those labels? Because he's not as real goddamn scientist. This <laughs> okay. is all bullshit. Yeah, okay. I'm, just, Again, I'm just poking holes. Just there, like yeah. the logical, just like the logical theory. This isn't going to turn into the skeptics universe cast. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, but. Again, it's not as interesting whether we believe what these guys are saying as what it means for the plot, which presumably okay. they're thrown in for some, some something somewhere. Sure. Is this the corruptive influence of Lorne on Lester? Um, so we're assuming is, we're applying the label here of uh, someone to the Jesus side and Lorne to the Hitler side. Is that well? What you're I, I think there's a couple of par- parallels. Also, uh, in an opposite way, Gus, who's kind of like the cowardly lion, and he tries to beat himself up, and Molly praises him and builds him back up. Is that sure. going to be you know? Lorne fed one thing in Lester and got the ugly syrupy soul. Oh, good point. Molly okay. is feeding the one thing in Gus, Gus and getting the beautiful snowflake soul. Is that? Do you think that's a valid? Interesting. Yeah. Read on that. Do you yeah, have another I like one? I do not have another one. Okay. Let's talk about that tracking shot. Uh, yeah. I'm going to let Brian Hathaway be the leader on this on facebook he said i don't know about anyone else but i hated that tracking shot outside the mob hideout really? it was too long it's like they used it just so they wouldn't have to film the hard technical shootout inside it was a cop-out tom g backed him up said it was garbage oh i love, uh, it. I love it i first of all there's some people saying drawing parallels to this shot and the true detective shot to which I say, get the oh, fuck yeah, out of town. Yeah, no comparison. Because this is probably this mostly This shows nothing. CG. The other shows everything. Yeah. It's like... This was just a tr- literally a, a tracking shot with some CG thrown in and some... Yeah. This you know. is a very artistic way to shoot that scene, I think. Yeah. Um, it, it is not a very technically impressive thing by no. any means. No. Whereas True Detective was very technically impressive. More so than it was artistic, I think. Would you prefer, I guess, would you have preferred to see the epic shootout? 
I guess that's what the people. It sounded so damn cool. It did, and, and I. That's what I really loved about it. They didn't need to show me what was happening. I pictured it mm. in my head. I could have closed my eyes during that scene and, and seen what they would have filmed. Yeah, I mean, they do this all the time on Game of Thrones. Build up something very cool and then cut away, and you get to the aftermath. Okay. And I felt like that's exactly, and and they did it probably for the same reasons: budget. Yeah, maybe. I, I feel like Hollywood has the shootout down to a science at this point, where the shootout is not a crazy thing that's super expensive. Right. It, and it's probably going to be something they're not going to be able to do as well. It's going to cost a fortune. Mm, Whereas this yeah. way, you got the imagination. I know. I just I thought it, dis- it disappointed several people. I didn't have a problem with it, other than the fact that Key and Peele are there with their thumbs up their asses at the end. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they do seem like they're comically inept FBI agents. Mm-hmm. They didn't call in any backup. They waited for the police to show up. <laughs> a little. And in fact, there's like had that brief debate about, should we like back on up and act like we just got here? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I, and that was their purpose, right? They were comedy relief. That's what they do. Uh, those tonal shifts, man. Sure. Uh, it's one thing yeah. to have a character be a complete dumbass and like to establish that with Bill. It's another thing to have a whole other branch I mean, that's the dark comedy th- they're going for, though. Yeah, right? like I don't know. a guy just fell out of a window. There's a horrible shootout, and these guys are arguing about what what to do because they're inept dumbasses. I think I just realized that I kind of have a problem with dark comedies because really that, that's my that's my weakness. Uh, it's a clashing shifts. of tone. Yeah, that's and, the whole point of a dark comedy. Yeah, it has to be a little. It has to decide whether it's going to be funnier or it's going to be more dramatic. I don't huh. like it when it tries to walk the line. You probably hated Cable Guy, didn't you? I, after watching a couple times, I respected what they're trying to do. But yeah, the okay. first couple times I thought, this is fucking garbage. Yeah. All right. I, I love that movie. So that that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. I okay. I understand when you're going for a dark comedy, that's what you have to do. I just didn't think Key and Peele were particularly funny in this. Their show is way funnier. Well, sure. And in and, and bits and pieces, not. I don't think it's consistently funny, but who uh, is? True. Yeah. Certainly not us. Uh, nope. Do we have any other thoughts we want to put on this episode before we get to V? Ve- feedback no i think that's it all right some light pimping uh wait wait wait, wait. wait. one oh, more oh. thing there's mention here of lester's brother possibly making bail okay what if he makes bail and he comes to talk to lester <laughs> what's he going to do, do think that's going to go out down? of him that would just that would put the noose tight more tight around his neck it sure would i do wonder i think that could be a problem for lester in the future though why would it be a problem him getting out and just having another variable to deal with I don't know that Lester expects him to get out. Well, you have to ask who's going to bail him out. I assume his wife. No. Maybe. She's, She's fairly pissed. And here's the thing. <laughs> they did enough background that maybe not all this was legit about the fact that they had differences in how they wanted to treat the child, the fact that we saw that hmm. the guy okay. was furtively masturbating to porn in the garage. So final straw territory. A lot, a lot of women don't don't particularly like their men indulging in i think it's horseshit so the reveal of an affair and a murder might be the final straw for her well i'm just saying that (laughs) i could buy that i'm just saying that a lot there's some people that had a problem and actually i just want to get to that later uh with the whole scenario we could talk about that at that time so i don't know he could get bailed does he have an alibi i mean i feel like if he did he wouldn't be freaking out the way he did he'd just be like well i was blah 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 and this person saw me there and this person saw me there so speaking speaking of freaking out i also like the way that they shot the the discovery of the weapon and the the photos and the underwear and the hammer right um oh can you imagine being in that situation yeah that's what would happen it'd be like 
where did that your how head did is it exploding what just i don't get it <laughs> and then you dawn on that this is something your brother did to you and you basically told him to do it and it's yeah because like, he said give him somebody yeah he's got to give him somebody well, i gave him you thanks for the idea yeah so the, the way they filmed that with him just stunned silence Perfect. Like a bomb drop went off, and his wife came at him like a spider monkey. It was flinging spit at him. Oh, that <laughs> a literal spit take. Yeah, I would like to see stuff. the behind the scenes because you know someone with a imagine someone like a a soda straw full of KY jelly, <laughs> oh, yeah. just repeatedly until they get the the, the rope right right where they want it to yep. to be. All right, let's do some feedback. Uh, some Pippin first. If you like the podcast and you'd like to support the only reason we're able to do Fargo, we wouldn't be here talking to you today if it wasn't for the fact that Jim and I uh, chucked deuces through our jobs and decided to go in full-time podcasting. Yep. If you like it and you value it, please consider supporting us at subbable.com slash baldmove. It's a voluntary subscription site, and what you can do is you can uh, you can subscribe for free, but you can also send us some dollars on a one-time basis or on a recurring basis. And the cool thing is, is you don't get, not only do you get our podcast for your listening pleasure, but you also save those up into a perk account that you can then uh, save up to get a, like a really large perk, or you can uh, trade them in for some of the smaller perks. Go to, I don't want to talk about all of them, I don't have time, go to subbable.com slash bald move to see how all that stuff works, and we'd really appreciate it. If you don't feel like giving us money directly, but you use Amazon, hey, amazon.baldmove.com, use it, learn it, love it. Everything you buy, we get a teeny tiny cut off of. And if you can't bring yourself to do any of that, please at least rate and review us on iTunes because that's how we get a bigger audience and a bigger following and more success. And all of our success, we've never really advertised. We don't know what the fuck we're doing. It's all been you people supporting us and helping us out just by us asking. Sure. So we're going to stick with that. <laughs> Moving on to our feedback. Jasmine P says, I think that Molly, uh, I asked people to give them, uh, give me their takes on why she was so panicked or what emotion she was feeling. And Jasmine said, I think she was confused because Chaz being the killer made no sense. He's afraid that the real killers are still out there. By the way, hope someone erased her theory from the window. What do you think? Do you think that that her, uh, beautiful minding up that hospital window is going to be significant? <laughs> so, what like who is it is it numbers or wrench wrench is the one that's still alive right yes okay you think wrench is going to go down to his to her room and find that you think i'm thinking that maybe lester might find or it. what if a nurse comes by and she sees those names and be and like oh wait you know and starts making connections and calls mm-hmm. with some more information or i i don't know how that could be a problem for molly anymore than no, she's not, already in the shit I, I don't think it's a problem for molly i'm talking about is this a problem for lester slash lorn oh i see is it or will do you, we think that that's going to be significant at all or was it just a cool i don't shot? think i don't think it will i think it was just something that was uh you know interesting for her to do and could spell out really to gus everything she was thinking all right well, Jasmine's got uh, a, a hell of a prediction staked out if it does come down to for the, sure. the pike. Yeah. Uh, already talked about Nikki P's take about Lester giving too much information. Oscar A says, do you guys think that a big point of this show is to make fun of this belief that Midwestern folks are quote-unquote easy prey? Meaning that we, I'm from Chicago, are much more susceptible to pressure, extortion, <laughs> and the like. Not being from Chicago, you're not. <laughs> come on. <laughs> 
Chicago uh, versus Bemidji. It's a very different <laughs> world. I know. That's the thing. It's like Chicago's not really the Midwest. Chicago's closer to New York than it is to It's not even Cincinnati New York. Or... It's its own yeah. Al Capone it's a different type animal. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one thing it is not is timid, I don't think. It's not Minnesota nice. No. It's not Hoosier hospitality. No, I've lived there and and people it's, are it's nice, Illinois but insolence. they're not they're, Yeah, yeah. They're no. not deferring to you in all occasions. Like, I actually find I think Chicago no, I don't think. I know Chicago's my favorite city in North America. Yeah, me too. It's like Indianapolis awesome. is too small. New York is way warmer. too fucking big. Yeah. Chicago is like just dry. And I also like their attitude. They're not like in the Midwest, it's fucking annoying going into a gas station. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> I just want to get my shit and get like, out. Yeah, I just I need my coffee. <laughs> Shut up. New York, like people don't even make eye contact with you. It's oh, like, no. I feel like at least acknowledge that a fellow human being has entered your sphere of influence. Chicago's just like, you know, they make eye contact. They might give you curt nod, but they're not up your ass. Yeah, yeah. I like that. And you can get out of Chicago. You can't really get out of New York. Like. <laughs> It's is it a cult? What what do you mean by that? No, no, I mean just physically. Oh, like right. getting out of a city space is tough yeah. in New York. Yeah, you have to drive through five cities worth before yeah. you escape or plow through the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, sorry, we derailed him here. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> meaning that we, I'm from Chicago, much more susceptible to pressure, extortion, and the like. With Lester, it's clear though he's taking charge over his predicament that it's especially prominent. With Don Chump and how he met his end. I don't know if I should be pissed or not for such notions, but I can't deny that it's entertaining to watch. I do feel like there is a little bit of that by showing how kind of competent that Molly and how dangerous Lester is and uh-huh. the Fargo folk. There is a little bit of that respect. But I also think that there is, I've detected a little bit of, um, I don't think intentional contempt. But the kind of mm. casual provincial contempt that one might have for cultures that they only see on television or only read about, or they yeah they're playing they out listen some to NPR and they get the stories from Lake Wobegon and they got us all figured out. <laughs> they're definitely playing out some stereotypes yeah. um, that I don't think apply universally. Of course, stereotypes never do. And the thing is, I'm not offended. Like I'm not middle-aged white guy here like oh how dare they it's more like they're missing a chance to tell a little bit more nuance and richer story by not going for the you know i'm not victimized i'm not offended yeah and i mean there are plenty of the people that we see yes for sure plenty of of pre-murder lesters out there right well and there's plenty of just the the idiots they see on the street and stuff like that but there's there's fuck that's the thing the Midwest does not have the quote the lock or more than their first year quota. God, God, I've had too much to drink. I'm one of the big fat idiots, <laughs> but but the Midwest and the South does not have the lock on the mental midgetry. True, very true. What's that's offensive on the uh, goddamn? I, can't, I, I mean, go to Seattle. I can't make you'll a point find... about being offensive without being offensive. <laughs> go to Seattle. You'll find Eric and Jesse out there. So it's right. Point proof. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> George H. says, was I the only one bothered by the poster covering the hole in the wall? He headbutted the wall in the poster so hard as to knock himself out and bloody the poster, uh, breaking open a hole in the wall in the process, yet the poster is perfect and not torn at all. Obviously, he didn't hit a stud and <laughs> knock out the hole later because the hole is directly behind the blood mark on the poster. The poster gods are watching over Lester's poster. A uh, little bit of a nitpick, but... 
also a legit point. Basements in the Midwest not typically made out of drywall. Typically, that would it's be true. cinder blocks. True. Maybe and he's bashing got a, your head into it would not do anything. He's got a, a, apparently he's got like a false wall built between there. Uh, apparently, yeah. Or that also wasn't that the same wall that like that like uh, the staircase and the closet is in. So. Oh, I didn't see a closet. Yeah, so, so it could yeah. be that's a, not a load-bearing exterior wall. Sure. But the poster, yeah. If, like, if you put yeah. a poster in a wall and you punched through it to make a hole in the drywall, the poster would probably have a hole in it. Sure. But then the jig, as they say, would be up. So yep. um, The raining fish was a bit much for me as well, but the wreck was way more absurd. They were driving like 20 miles an hour when a fish started coming down, and the accident scene of the driver ejected, and the car flipped as though they were hauling ass. <laughs> mm-hmm. A little too too much deuce ex mahi mahi for my taste. <laughs> uh, one of the my favorite things about the plot is how Lester could have so easily gotten away with everything if he just told the simple truth for a change about the conversation with Hess and Lauren about Hess with Lauren at the hospital. If he had come clean to the hospital about his mm-hmm. embarrassing run in with Hess leading to his hospital visit and how his conversation with Lauren had simply been about what happened to him uh, or happened to lead him to the hospital. Uh, that would have invalidated the nurse's hearsay and completely vindicated his story without any reason for further suspicion. The embarrassing truth explains a lie about slipping on the ice by the fire station. Um, Small problem with he that. He already killed... Yeah, he killed his wife. He had killed his wife. There was evidence out there that he had done it, the phone call. Uh, he's just talking about eliminating suspicion and getting the cops to stop pursuing him. Yes. So... That may or may not have worked. I don't know. I feel like Molly was kind of gung-ho about catching the guy who did it and sure. was on to Lester very, very early on. Sure. So I don't know that that just saying, look, I talked to the guy and I mentioned the Hess conversation, but I didn't tell him to kill him. Uh-huh. I don't know that that flies in Molly's head. Well, yeah, I don't I don't know either. And it's like at, he lost the ability to start telling this plain, simple truth when he killed his wife. That's where yes. there's no way, and there's just too many mistakes. You know, it's like that was like some statistic that like every mistake you think that you make committing a crime, you probably made ten that you're not even thinking of. Yeah. Um, my advice to him would be my standard bald move legal advice, which is don't talk to the cops. Get mm-hmm. a lawyer the second they showed up. Yeah, but he made that mistake again this episode. Far too late for that. Uh, Michael S. said the only worse thing than Lester getting away with murder is Lester having doggy style, Hess style, with a stripper. Does it feel wrong that Lester is living large? And I saw more than one person on Reddit saying that we don't want Lester to get caught too quickly because we enjoy watching him roll around like a badass. I... Can't describe his actions as badassery. It's offensive to the term badass. No, he he does he's feel weaselly. like he's he's taking not necessarily revenge, but he's getting what he he is owed after so many years of torment from other people and being a coward and being just shit all over by everyone. What's interesting? There's a little bit of parallels between this Lester situation and that dude out in. Uh, at California was a university of Santa Barbara that uh, was pissed off that women weren't having sex with him. So he decided to go and shoot a bunch of people and then himself in the head. Oh, okay. And he had a whole YouTube video about his thesis about how women owed them their bodies. And you know, it's, it's yeah, that no, whole thing where Lester's, you know, it's like, yes, he thinks he's owed this stuff uh-huh. just because he showed up in life. 
yeah is 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 offensive and that to me it's like i'm not there's some people and i'm not judging that everybody's got different experiences and different moral thresholds uh-huh. i find it hard to enjoy his actions on the same level that i did of of season one through three walt for example sure i don't enjoy his actions i understand why he does though i'm entertained yeah i'm entertained by them but but, ultimately, but i'm not rooting for him either I no. do. I'm mm. rooting solidly for Molly and Gus. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think you know he he is very much his own agent, and he can't blame this on Lauren. He can't blame this on anyone else. He committed murder. He deserves to go down, regardless of his his past with these people. Agreed. Kevin C said, "None of my friends watch a show, so I need help figuring out why no one looked at the hospital record for Lauren." Wasn't he in the ER to seek treatment for his head wound? I can't remember if they looked into that and I missed it or neglected it altogether. I know Molly, so I'm a little fuzzy. Molly was either going to go follow up that lead and then Bill told her to stop that and follow up on the car crash. Or she had and he used an assumed name or a different name. Because the Lord, Maybe his Lord Malvo, the first time she saw that was when he signed in at the at the not the hospital at the motor the hotel. Lodge. Yeah, it it's weird that he would sign there his his quote unquote real name. I I don't even know if that is his real name. It's his professional name. It's anyway. certainly the name. Yeah, his moniker as a hitman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird that he would sign that at the hotel and not at the hospital. Right. So you've got to think maybe Molly has not had the opportunity to investigate but that. She also but had I feel... a, she also had a pretty thick file on him, so I assume that some uh-huh. of, some of this stuff we didn't we didn't see, but she probably yeah. did and but it hasn't really borne fruit yet. Yeah, I I think she did follow up at the hospital because at she, some point she knew the nurse that, said the nurse said talking. that they were talking, yeah. Right. Uh Chad H says something stands out to me and not to be rude to the actress, but Chad's wife is way more attractive than Lester's wife. Oh hell yeah! Oh, I was gonna say, you know, I <laughs> the beholder. Well, they they do a a sexy vacuuming scene with her this episode, you, don't they? They did. They lingered. They she was, did. Like moving she her, was hips, her hips. I'm like, and I said uh-huh. that. Uh, I was watching with my girlfriend. I'm like, Jesus, are they trying to make her vacuum sexy? Because she's <laughs> yes. like doing the tango with this thing. They were. Uh, so why would Chaz cheat on his hot wife for a less attractive older woman? If I were to hear the story in real life, I don't think I'd buy it. Just my random thoughts. What so I there's you, you want what you don't have that's the the big explanation yeah here. like I think Chad you're making a mistake that all men do do the sexy stuff just based on physical attraction sure there's there's power mm-hmm. there's the fact that he's literally fucking over his older brother mm-hmm. that he's got you know some uh, he's already screwed over all in life maybe he gets off on dominating him. We know that she gives epic hand jobs. Maybe his wife is actually very beautiful, but bad in bed. That happens. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> he could be in, in, you know, he's he's turning to the the porn slash internet slash laptop to, to jerk off. Maybe he's not getting fully satisfied. Although I think that men can be perfectly satisfied with their women and still want to jerk off because sure. what is your all's need to tell us what we can do with our bodies, man? <laughs> Jeez. Oh boy, Aaron, Aaron's getting up on his uh, pedestal. I'm here. saying that's a deal breaker. A woman <laughs> gets uh, gets um, what do you call that? Self conscious about my wanting. I've I've had a <laughs> a, a 25 plus year love affair with myself, mm. and this Johnny Come Lately mm. woman wants to get in the middle of that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not going to happen. 
that's your that's your insecurity you need to work through. Sweetie. All right, uh, step down off the platform. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's not about attractiveness here, uh, yeah. it, or it wouldn't be if if he were actually doing that. No, and I don't think it needs to be. And I, again, I think that weird stuff, surprising stuff happens, and you know, the more I find out about human sexuality, the more I'm just constantly surprised that all the weird stuff, quote unquote weird stuff that people get up to. Yeah. Maybe he's got a mom kink and that it reminded him of his mother and the fact that it's his brother's wife. I mean, there's like all kinds of psychosexual stuff that could go be going on there. Sure. That's it for feedback, man. If you okay. would like to send us more, you can do so at Fargo at baldmove.com. Of course, uh, participate in our discussion feeds on facebook.com slash baldmove. You can tweet at Jim at baldmove. Can't wait to see you next week for next Thursday's podcast on Fargo. Yeah, only three more episodes left to go in the uh, series, possibly season, yeah. maybe. I feel like they'll find a way to come up for season two, and I, I honestly, it I feels could, like they should. Totally could be down for an anthology type True Detective, uh, yeah. American Horror Story. I feel like that is in Fox's wheelhouse, and I could definitely see a couple more seasons of. Similar characters and similar situations in this setting played out. Yeah, especially if it turns fun. out to be the saga of the briefcase. Absolutely, you know that this 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 money gets passed down another few years down the line, and we see what happens with it. Sure, that might be kind of cool, uh, but we'll we'll see what happens at the end of this story in the next three weeks. Uh, until next week, I'm Jim, and I'm Aaron. See ya.